This is Hans. And this is Heidi. And this is Parent Town. A podcast where we explore stories of parenting in hopes that they can connect us and just maybe make the world a little easier to understand. Welcome to Parent Town. This is our last mini podcast under the umbrella of co-parenting. In this interview, we explored a story of a single mom co-parenting her son with her mother. Here is her story. Could you tell me a little bit about the history of your co-parenting? Okay, so I went to school out of state. I'm from here. I went to school down in Florida. And in my junior year of college, I became pregnant. Exciting. Uh, Shocking. And I was with a young man that I was pregnant by for two years. And I broke up with him when I was about a month pregnant. Essentially, pretty much as soon as I was aware that I was going to be a parent, I was also aware that I was going to be a single parent. And I moved back to Minnesota after finishing school so I could be close to my family And I raised my son alone since then, with the help of my mom. My mom is a huge help in the family. And we lived with her when I moved back for like the first six years until I could afford to move out on a single parent salary. And then we moved out and bought our own house and have lived by ourselves. A lot of the choice that I had to be a single parent was me. My son's father was in college with me at the time, but his life took a very different direction. While he was in school, he actually caught a drug charge and went to jail for a couple of years. And when he went out, just actively continued to add to that drug record as like multiple felonies as far as I'm concerned. And then with our relationship, he was never really focused on us having a child together. He was just focused on getting back into a relationship with me. So he would talk to me about how we were going to be together without ever asking about the child. And so I personally made a decision never to pursue child support or anything like that because I didn't want the other pieces that would go with that. Tell me about how your mother is actively a part of your co-parenting. My mom and my son are... I would say closer than me and my son are. And I'm not jealous. I think they have an amazing relationship. When my son was two years old, my little brother died. And so my mom really focused every minute of her attention on my son. And so they spend all the time together. She's at every single sporting event that he has. Um, She is always volunteering to chaperone at the school, which she now hates because he's a teenager. He wants to go to her house every weekend. She has always helped him with his homework. She used to be a teacher, so she's always been really focused on his homework. They do activities together. He was interested in trains when he was younger, so she started volunteering at a train place. She would take him to anything and everything. She was forever focused on kind of really how to improve his life. Mm -hmm. And then even now, he just had his birthday this weekend. He invited all of his friends to my mom's house. Mm-hmm. Didn't even occur to him to have it at my house. She has like a man cave in her basement for him with a mini fridge and TVs and a game station. And just 
her life is tailored to him and what he needs. Um, she picks him up for sports. She buys him school supplies. She's forever checking on him at school. She's probably set up meetings at school more than I have. She's really actively a part of his life. And they have a really close bond. I will get calls to say, I have two tickets to a football game. Can you pick us up and drop us off? <laughs> that is how us? much of a, literally, <laughs> I'm a chauffeur. And when he was younger, they were so close, and she was a science teacher, and they were so close that he would ask me a question, and I would give him an answer, and he'd be like, um, can we check with Grandma to see if that's <laughs> correct? I don't trust you. Yeah. Yeah, and even to this day, if he has something, he knows I'm not a morning person, if he has something in the morning, like practice, they're already communicating of, of her coming to pick him up at 7.30 a.m. to bring him to basketball, just in case. Just in case. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so that's working. I mean, that's obviously, like, something under this, you know, umbrella of co-parenting that's working for you guys. Yeah, it's definitely working. I think, you know, for us, it's, for my mom, like, she's retired, and so... Like, we're her family, and I think it really helps her to stay involved. And she actually does a lot of the activities that she does based on him and his schedule. Right now, she teaches the confirmation class at her church because he's in that group. And it just really helps her stay involved. And then for me, it helps me as a single parent because when you have practice that ends at, like, noon Uh in the summer... She can pick him up and take him places, and it it really works out. She's very careful not to be the parent. She's definitely the grandparent, so what I say goes. Like, she never challenges what I'm saying. She'll check with me to make sure that she's not going over that. And then my son's a good kid, so he's not usually trying to ask her yes on stuff that I've said no to. Right. So it's just, it's a really good balance. I guess when I think about this question, too, about what would you like people to know about co-parenting you're doing with whoever you're doing that with, what would you like to say that could maybe change people's minds about, like, what do you see in our society that you wish was different when it came to our biases or people's uh, reactions I think the bias is always, like, the biological family is the best. Like, a lot of people don't accept that I have chosen not to have my son exposed to his father. And for me, it's a safety issue. This is not an individual who has made mistakes in his past and has turned over a new leaf and wants to move forward. He's he's still completely unstable. And I've chosen, out of safety, not to expose my son to that. I've not said anything bad about him. I've just chosen um, to keep that separation. My son is older now. He's he's 15, and last year, because I thought that he was old enough to understand it, I let him know that he could contact his dad if he wanted to, but that he had to be aware that he wasn't completely stable, and so he had to be careful about like the information that he shared with him. And um, my son has chosen not to contact him, and that's his choice, and I'm not going to push him on that. And a lot of people think, like, his dad has to be in his life, his dad has to be in his life, no matter what. Like, no matter what the dad is like, they have to be in their life. And I don't agree with that. I think that you have to take into account your child's safety and their well-being, and you... As a person that has been in a relationship with that person knows, like, what's best. And I don't do it out of, I'm, I don't have bitterness. I don't, I don't, I'm indifferent to, to his father. I, 
honestly am indifferent. Nothing that he does affects me in any way. But I know that he's unstable. And I know in conversations that I've had with him, you can hear that he's unstable. And he says really troubling things. And I just, as a, as a parent, I don't care who that is. I'm not, I'm not exposing my son to that. And that's, it's something that I've not done lightly. It's something that I'm constantly reevaluating and talking through, but it's just, it's a decision that I made. And a lot of people don't agree with it. The thing that I will say is I grew up without a father. My dad passed away when I was six. And so when I was younger, it was very much about bring your dad to school day and all these different things. And I do think that society has somewhat evolved because those were terrible moments for me as a child. But I don't see those anymore at the schools. I think that the reality of today, my son goes to an inner city school, is that that's not the rule anymore. It's not necessarily the exception, but they also understand that it's not the rule. Mm-hmm. I was recently at a speech where a gentleman talked about the form and the function of family and how we're so caught up in the form of a family, like what it's supposed to look like, that we don't sit down and think about how it functions. And he pointed out, you might have the form of the family with the mom and the dad and the two kids and, you know, two and a half kids and a dog. But if the function of that family is that the people within that family are not safe and the children don't feel valued, it doesn't matter. Whereas if if as a family you're functioning, people feel safe, people feel valued, people are getting what they need out of a situation, then let's focus more on the function than the form. Now that's not to say, I think it's important that children, especially males have, I think either, but males have a, um, a male figure. And so I went out of my way to put my son in sports when he hated them. He loves them now, but I was in Boy Scouts with him at camp in the dirt with the dads, like doing kind of everything, you know, that I could think of that was kind of boy and man related and just making sure that he had the exposure. I also have friends and family that go out of their way, especially the males, to really be a part of my son's life and ask him about stuff. And I don't think that it's a replacement for having a full-time dad, but it's better in my opinion than if he was in contact with his full-time dad. And I think it's really about the function of the family versus the form. I think that's so true. That's a perfect phrase and one that I think we can focus on when it comes to, you know, this podcast, is there's, there's other ways of looking at it. Thank you for listening to Parent Town. Make sure to like us on Facebook under Parent Town Podcast and share us with your friends. Stay on the lookout for our next podcast coming soon. Thanks.